All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Just a Girl from Cleveland. We are here and football is back. And when I say back, I mean like fully back, not sort of back, not almost back, not we're still figuring things out, but we think it's coming back. Like it is actually on our TV screens. We are seeing you know, quarterbacks not live up to what they were supposed to be doing this season. We are seeing fans devastated over a pass interference call that didn't go their way, which I think is a true telltale sign of a football season is when the refs make a bad pass interference call that affects the outcome of the game. And whatever team it affected really gets to hold on to that for the entire rest of the season and even going into the next season. Um, And they have a sort of a vengeance about it. They they are upset and they want to get back at everyone because that moment was taken away from them. We saw some of that this weekend. And I can't even hate on the fans for getting upset about those moments because they do really affect the game. And I would be right there with them if it was my team. Unfortunately, my team is not in you know the position where it's a close game at the end. And we have a call that uh, really affects the outcome because we just can't even put things together ourselves, which I'll I'll get into that a little bit later, but we saw a lot of classic football moments this weekend, and I gotta say, it just, it felt really good, felt good to be back, felt good to be happy for, you know, maybe 30 seconds total, but also just like the classic anger and disdain you feel as a Cleveland Browns fan, you know, in a way it felt good to feel that again. I haven't felt that in a while. I felt nothing mostly these last few months. So it feels great to feel something, even if it's not the best feeling in the world. Uh, But before I really, you know, dig in deep to um, not just the NFL season, but a little bit of college football talk as well, um, I did want to get into the NBA playoffs first. All right, so the Lakers obviously played against the Houston Rockets in this series and lost the first game. Um, which isn't super surprising because that's kind of seems to be their thing in this playoffs is to lose the first game like they did against the Blazers and then kind of come back ready to play in the following games and look like a completely different team than they did in that first game, which I'm totally fine with um, as long as they end up winning the series. Um, a couple important call-outs, I would say, from this series that maybe I wasn't totally expecting, one being Rondo. Um He struggled a little bit in game one, looked a lot more comfortable in game two. Um, And just in general, the Lakers bench really stepped up um, at moments when they needed to. You had Caruso shooting well in a couple games. Kuzma, Rondo, like I mentioned. Um, Markeith Morris, you had guys knocking down shots, knocking down threes at at important times. Um, I think the Lakers do best when they have like nine or ten guys scoring on their team um, and not just that core group in the starting lineup. I think another thing that ended up being really crucial for the Lakers is playing the small ball. You can't have JaVale McGee out there. Like, not when you're playing a team like the Rockets, and and to be quite honest, not when you're playing a team like most NBA teams are these days. They are shooting teams. They are playing the small ball. That There isn't as much of a use for a big man as as there used to be in the game, which I know I've talked about before, but it's kind of become super evident um, in these playoffs that you just you have to have enough shooters out there on the court um, or else 
I mean, any lead you get is just going to get snapped right back down, Um, which even the games that the Lakers were leading by a a lot, there were times that the Rockets very quickly shortened that lead because they hit a couple threes. You know, they've got great shooters on their team, and then they're right back in it. So I think that was probably the best choice for them was, was to, you know, play that small ball. Um, some other highlights. So I think the best moment for me was, uh, Rondo's brother, whose name is William, which I just, I think is great. Like he has the most like average sounding name compared to Rajon Rondo. Um, but he did actually get thrown out of a game because he was chirping with Russell Westbrook. This was in game five. Um, and he got thrown out and it just, Uh, honestly, it felt right because, you know, the NBA bubble, it's been great. There's moments that feel weird that there isn't like a packed arena with all these fans cheering. I think overall, like I've mentioned, they've done a really, really great job making it a good experience for the viewers, a good experience for the players. Like I think they've done the best they could with what they have. Um, But it just like really sealed the deal here to have the family show up for a game and then a family member get tossed from the arena for chirping with Russell Westbrook. Like it felt perfect. It felt right. It was, it was the correct thing to happen. So Lakers are moving on to the conference finals. Um, As a lot of people like to say these days, nature has healed because LeBron is once again in the conference finals, exactly where he belongs. That's where we all feel most comfortable. We know he's supposed to be there. I, I'm nervous, but excited. I think in an ideal world, if the Lakers don't win, I would like to see the Miami Heat win the NBA finals this year. They've been kind of that Cinderella story of a team, playing with a lot of heart. You want... I personally want to see a guy like Jimmy Butler succeed. He's he's struggled on teams throughout his career, and I just think um, he seems happy there, and he seems it seems like it's a good fit for him, and they're playing really great basketball. So if LeBron and the Lakers cannot win, I think I'd like to see the Miami Heat um, take the take the championship this year. Um, an interesting point of. <laughs> I guess what I didn't really expect to see in the second round of the playoffs were for the Bucks to get knocked off. Um, our probable MVP, which I don't even know when they're going to announce it. Like They have announced, I think, every other award in the NBA, but they have not announced MVP yet. But our guy Giannis is uh, no longer in the playoffs. He was knocked out pretty horrendously in this most recent round of play. Um, And I just think it's really telling. James Harden is the other guy who is up for MVP along with LeBron. And LeBron is the only one to make it to a conference championship. And he's most likely not going to win the award this year. And I think it's it's just a little bit ridiculous. Um, I think, you know, the NBA might need to reroute how they give these awards because I was thinking about how in the NFL they have defensive player of the year, offensive player of the year, and then an MVP. The NBA only does defensive player of the year and an MVP and there is no offensive player of the year, 
which feels a little bit off and it feels like that should be a war an award that maybe they give um, because I think there's a difference between being um, the o- offensive player of the year which I would say is just the top scorer in general. I mean, you could also say assists would play into that, but I would say I'm sure for the most part, the person who would win that award would be the best scorer in the league, which a lot of times ends up being what they give as the MVP award. But I think there's a huge difference that I have talked about on this podcast many times between being a top scorer in the league and being the most valuable player in the league. Adding value is a complicated thing and it has a lot of layers. And I think they get it wrong a lot of times in this award, which is why I think they should have that additional award um, to make it make more sense on who they're giving it to. Because... I mean, clearly Giannis and James Harden are not that valuable because they didn't even make it to their conference finals. Um, LeBron is clearly more valuable than the both of them because of that right there. Like it, I mean, you can't even fully deny that. So I just think they need to reroute that. Probably won't, but I think it's weird that the NFL, NFL has that additional award that the NBA does not have. Okay, so college football now. You know... I hope when you're listening to this podcast, I'm recording it Monday um, around the halftime of the the Steelers-Giants game, and I hope when you're listening to this that we can say that the Big Ten has made the decision to resume their season, start mid-October, play an eight-game season, be able to compete for a national championship. I pray that when you are listening to this that that is the case because... I am just waiting every single day for something to change. It was heartbreaking watching college football games on Saturday this weekend and not having any Big Ten teams playing. And I'm sure I'm biased in some ways because of being an Ohio State fan, but I think the Big Ten, like, it is college football. Like, it... It's so important to college football, and it really did feel like a piece was missing this weekend without any of those teams playing. I mean, not even just Ohio State. You got that team up north. You got Michigan State. You got Wisconsin. You've got staples of college football teams, even teams like Nebraska. Teams with so much history, um, and they just bring so many interesting storylines and value to the league. It just it wasn't the same without those teams, so... I'd like to see them return. It feels like it might still happen. Um, I've been seeing on the internet in general that people think it's going to be returning um, with a mid-October start date. So like I said, I hope you're listening to this and it's it's happening and the announcement's made and they're moving forward with it. Teams are practicing. Um, I got a little nervous today because I saw that Sean Wade decided to opt out of the season and prepare for the NFL draft, which made me think, does he know something that I don't know? Is the season not going to happen for sure? Um, I really would have loved to see him get his redemption story after the ejection from that targeting call in the Clemson game last year, um, because that was sad and really the turning point in that game. And he was such an electric player and super valuable to our team. Someone I was probably the most excited other than Justin Fields to see returning on the squad. So it's very unfortunate that we are not going to have him again this year. Um, But regardless, I would still love to see us play. 
I did catch glimpses of some of the other college football games from this weekend, and a couple standouts, I would say, would be both the quarterbacks for Texas and Oklahoma. Um, I mean, not that they were playing outrageously good teams, but putting up, you know, that yardage that um, I guess makes you take a second look at them and who they are, um, especially for the schools that they go to. You have an Oklahoma quarterback. I think everyone's first thought after, you know, a Baker and Kyler Murray two years in a row winning the Heisman Trophy is will this next guy be a Heisman Trophy winner? Obviously, a little bit too early to say, but he put up some great numbers, looked really good. Texas quarterback, really, really good. Um, Week one is... Week one is always a little bit weird in college football, um, or just even the first few weeks as teams are kind of ramping up, I would say things things get more interesting uh, once you get a couple games in, see some interesting upsets. I think oh, the other best part of watching football again is seeing sad fans. Like, I... I, there were so many like sad fans on my television screen and it's even better because it always, you know, with all the social distancing guidelines and whatnot, they're just like standing there alone in in what looks like a very empty section in the stadium. Just like sad hands on their head, jaw dropped. They can't believe what's happening. That is like the other best part of football are sad sad fans. I mean, it's there's nothing like it. Um, so good to see sad fans again. All right. Now we are going to get into the NFL, which a lot to unpack here because uh, obviously we got to get into important things to know when crushing brewskis in the Muni lot because the Cleveland Browns are back doing Cleveland Browns things. Um, You know, I did an article with my predictions for the week one games, and I had the Browns beating the Ravens 24 to 21, which in my heart and soul, I I don't think I truly thought we were going to win that game, but I just couldn't put it down on paper, you know, down in my words that the Browns were going to lose their first game. I wanted to keep some hope alive, considering last season in September, the Browns did beat the Ravens. 40 to 25. I'm like, we can do it again. It's just another September game against the Ravens. Let's get it. We did not. Um, we were horrible. So Baker did not look great. Um, I think, I think the more upsetting part of that game, other than, yeah, Baker wasn't great. He had, you know, one touchdown with 21 of 39, one interception. Um, I think the other really upsetting part, though, was the kicker freaking missing (laughs) the extra point on the touchdown, which is the, that's the most classic Browns thing that, that could happen in a game. It's like, okay, we made something happen. We got a touchdown. David Njoku had that touchdown. Great to see, you know, we had a tight end out there scoring that we, you know, we value that position this year. This is great. Seeing some action. Kicker comes out, misses. I mean, it's just, it's classic. And yeah, it's one point, but I think momentum and mentality in the game really shifts when a kicker misses. It's not just about not putting those points on that board. It's a mental game of like, oh my God, are you kidding me? We couldn't even get that extra point on the board. It starts to really mess with you. Um, it it wasn't good. And from that point on, it was very much downhill. Um, OBJ, 
did not really show up. Three receptions for 22 yards. Not a good look. I don't know if he was still thinking about all of the stories that have been circulating about him in the media for the last few weeks. Don't have to get into those because I think it's been very over-talked about at this point. But, you know, he did not play well at all, and I'm not sure if he was just distracted. Um, Like I said, Njoku had the only touchdown, but he's actually injured now. I can't remember specifically what his injury was, but he he has moved to, to the IR. Um, so that was definitely a bummer. Other game I did want to talk about from Sunday was, um, the Bengals game. So Joe Burrow's first start as, um, an NFL quarterback. And first of all, I just have to say, he just like looked like an NFL quarterback. I don't know. He like grew up during the last few months suddenly. And it it was, it was just good to see him out there. He didn't look phenomenal by any means. He definitely had some mistakes. He was 23 of 36. He had a rushing touchdown, which I think was really nice to see. I'm sure gave him a little bit of confidence. Um, Wasn't great, but they were very close to winning that game. And, you know, the ending, I can't, you can't really put on him. So it it was definitely... uh, Unfortunate to see him lose, but good to see him out there scoring a touchdown, looking confident. I I think he really does have a bright future in this league, regardless of that game, regardless of how his team is playing right now. I think there is there's a lot of hope for him in in NFL football. All right, so Like I said, I'm recording this um, at the halftime of the Pittsburgh Giants game right now. Pittsburgh is up 16 to 10 at halftime. Uh, Don't want to see Big Ben succeed, like at all. 0% of me wants to see him succeed, but in the same breath, I also do not want Mason Rudolph to play another snap of professional football because I hate him. And I think um, if anyone saw the other day, Miles Garrett actually had said that he thought about retiring after last season um, because of all the controversy that went on, which makes me so angry that, like, I've talked about this a million times, but that Mason Rudolph truly got away with acting like a total maniac crybaby in that moment, never took a single ounce of accountability for his own actions to the point that like Miles Garrett literally thought about not playing the sport of football anymore because of what this whole ordeal became. And he's even said like, I'd love to have a conversation with Mason to put this behind us. I hope Mason grows up and becomes an actual adult and steps up to the plate um, to have a conversation with him because Miles doesn't even have to do that in my mind at this point like he doesn't owe that to him but he's putting that out there so I really can't win with whoever the Steelers decide to play because I don't like either of them at all and I don't want to see them succeed I think this is the unfortunate part of being a Browns fan and objectively looking at our division and the reason the Browns are never able to to put together a successful season is because we are always changing, whether it is um, coaching or any type of staff or a quarterback or whatever the the weapons that we have on our team constantly changing and we never have the opportunity to build on something. And then you look at a franchise like the Pittsburgh Steelers, Mike Tomlin has been there forever. Um, so they have this 
perfect opportunity of even if they don't have stellar talent that year, they do have a system in place to just plug people into and churn out successful games. They might not always be pretty. They might not look like, you know, a Super Bowl caliber caliber team that year, but they have the ability to take mediocre players and put them into a system that is already proven to work and pull some wins out of it. The Browns don't have that. So even when we have the pieces and parts and the talent and the, you know, even decent weapons of what you would look like on paper, um, we can't produce in a game because we've never had any level of consistency within our franchise in my entire life um, to be able to build on something. And that's why uh, a Pittsburgh Steelers team with a mediocre quarterback like Mason Rudolph was able to pull out some additional wins last year when they were kind of garbage. Um, And even when Duck Hodges played for them, he pulled out some good moments and, and good stuff because they have that system in place like I said, where mediocre players can go in and get wins. And that's what I want to see from the Browns is mediocre players going in and getting wins. And we can't even get that. I'm not going to get too down after one game because I think it's ridiculous, um, especially considering we were playing the Ravens who are arguably one of the best teams in the NFL. You have Lamar Jackson, a recent NFL MVP. Um, it it was gonna be, it was gonna be a tough game to win. I I don't think most people thought that the Browns were going to win that game. I think it'll be really telling what we are able to do on this Thursday night game against Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Um, all eyes definitely gonna be on. Us because it being a Thursday night game, people are going to be paying attention, um, and I don't know. I, I I am predicting that we can win this game. I don't even want to say will win because it's so hard to say. Um, I we have to though. Um, these next two games are going to be really crucial. Bengals and then the Washington football team who did win their week one game very unexpectedly. I did not have them winning that game. Um, They did pull that out, but by no means are a stellar team um, in terms of what we predicted going into the preseason. So it's going to be really crucial for the Browns to win those two games um, to have any semblance of success or the promise of success this season. So um, I hope when I am speaking on this podcast next, I'm not sure what game it'll be after, but I pray to God we have a couple wins on the board so I can come back here and have some great things to say about what Baker did, about what OBJ did, about what Landry did, about what Kareem Hunt did. Like, I hope I can have those good things to say, but we will see until next time. Um, I'd also like to say I won both my fantasy games this week, so feels good in some ways. At least I have that going for me. But all right, that is all I have for you guys today. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Please leave me a review or a rating on Apple Podcasts. Um, You can follow or subscribe on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Um, And I will catch you guys on the next one. Go Browns.